Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, well, sort of, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Uh, happy, happy, welcome back, John Week. Welcome back, no, John. Really the only happy thing. <laughs> Syracuse is welcoming me back by being a dumpster fire. Um, everybody's everybody's legs are broken. Everybody's ACLs are torn. Everyone who you thought would be playing at this juncture in the season is not. Um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. I, uh, I, I I'm glad that that I that I got to watch an entertaining Syracuse game from the hospital. Then got to see a bye week from home, and then got to see that deep disaster in my uh, kind of welcome back game. Um, Dan, your, your your initial quick thoughts on on, on the, the travesty that was Syracuse football on Saturday? Um, uh, it, it wasn't great. Um, it would you know it, the game itself was was rough, and and there was there were bright spots like which, but the unfortunate bright spots like come hurtling down with the injury to Tommy DeVito, who I thought played his clear best game of the season. Um, obviously I was looking through his stats, like one of the better games of his career, honestly, like I know this, the numbers don't jump out at you, especially with the 50% completion rate, but like with all the drops he had, I think he could have in another reality where good things happened. Um, he could have had like an amazing game. Uh, if he connects on like two more of those deep passes, a couple of which were dropped, um, you know, a couple of which might've been touchdowns. Um, yeah. And then didn't get hurt. Like there was a huge Tommy DeVito game in here. Instead we got like, his best yards per, and I, I, someone can double check me. I'm pretty sure I rolled through all his game log. I'm pretty sure his best yards per attempt uh, average of his career. Um, one of the best uh, games in terms of like pass rating that he's put together. And I, I know that's, that's not great, but I think it was one of his like eight best pass rating games. So like it stinks that this is the game he went out. I mean, it's not good that, that he went out at all um, with uh, what has been pretty much confirmed to say season ending injury. Um or have they confirmed it or it's just like everyone assumes that it, I, I don't know if we're like on double check phase, but either way, what we all imagine is a season in the injury. Um, and it really stinks because like you could kind of see the game we've been looking for uh, from him in there. Now it wasn't a complete game uh, because of those drops, because of some more iffiness on the O-line running game, not being able to get as, as well uh, as, you know, going as well as it was against Georgia tech. Um but yeah, it's just really depressing because now it, it kind of looks like a, officially a lost season because we're, you know, unless Rex Culpepper has some magic or we get like some some real lightning in the bottle from uh, uh, Dylan Markowitz, like uh, it's it's hard to see where this team goes aside from just like seeing what some of the young guys have at this point. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to like get too far into the like pointed criticism of like aspects of the fan base who like you know just couldn't get over themselves in terms of like criticizing DeVito criticizing well really I, I'd say really DeVito um the anti-DeVito crowd is out in full force um you know e- even into aspects of Monday which is just ridiculous um look DeVito is not perfect DeVito is not as good as Dungy I'm aware of all those things um that said like you know what De- DeVito went 13 to 26 for 255 and two touchdowns um in that game before the injury it's it's not perfect but at the same time like yeah he had plenty of like poor passes in there um but at the same time I actually felt like like you kind of alluded to I felt like he was sharper than he has been um he made some smart decisions in there uh he made some really quick throws in there I felt like he had 
like four or five really, really beautiful passes. Maybe some of the best he's thrown at Syracuse um, in there. Like, like you said, uh, best yards per attempt of his career, even without um, adjusting for, um, you know, uh, minimum attempts, which is pretty wild. In, in general, I, I just think you, you saw a capable passer. No, it wasn't like, you know, a Hall of Fame performance. But, you know, between this, you know, last two weeks, you know, 26 of 50 for uh, what? 400 and change, like, I don't know. It's again, like it's not amazing, but like I'm just getting kind of exasperated with. And luckily, we don't have to hear much about it for the rest of the season, I guess. Um, we're not like just getting kind of sick and tired of hearing the like, you know, DeVito slander in in terms of him being awful. Like he's not awful, like but by, by any means. Again, not amazing. Maybe maybe not the best quarterback um, in terms of like what we were expecting, but. I actually thought he he handled the offense pretty well the last couple of weeks and, and and did do the sort of things that we were kind of expecting of him in terms of the deep ball. Like, damn, we could talk about this a bit to get away from the complaints, but um, I actually felt like the last couple of weeks were more, more in tune with, with what we were expecting in terms of, of, of deep passes and in terms of some accuracy downfield. Like I'd say they were, were, were a, somewhere between six and eight drops that I could think of Um, in this game. I did feel like this was a Syracuse team that really like the wide receivers beyond Tosh Harris and maybe Luke Benson, like just didn't show up for DeVito, you know, realistically. And and I think that's a bummer. Like he had plenty of problems on his own. I I think we can, I think those issues have been, trotted out there numerous times and there were plenty of other problems, you know, on this team that, that, that helped derail the game. But to me, the game is kind of won and lost on, 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 on drops and, and, and terrible run defense. And really, if you, if you eliminate the drops, the run defense um, kind of becomes a non-issue because I'd argue if the drops don't happen, um, Duke's not running the ball as much um, because they're probably playing from behind. Yeah. I think you hit it. I think like a lot of people have like, somehow laundered their complaints about this program this year into all DeVito problems. And like, again, DeVito, you know, wasn't great this year by any stretch. Um, I think, you know, I I would hope that this game would have been like a jumping off point, um, even if it played out the way it did. But people have acted like he's like the one problem and it's, it's way more complicated than that. And that's not great. Like it'd be way easier for like, well, if we just had a quarterback, like that's a, I mean, that's a hard question to answer, but it's also a very simple kind of straightforward one. Um, and that's just not the case. Like we, you know, offensive line uh, has maybe gotten marginally better since the beginning of the season, but still has major issues. He was taking a pounding. Um, it hasn't been able to open up uh, the run game um, consistently. Like we saw a decent amount against Georgia Tech. And I think uh, Sean Tucker looked good against, uh, against Duke again in more limited time. And I know he's now dealing with an injury, which is just like, we, we can't escape it. Um, fifth but, string um, quarter, fifth string running back maybe this weekend. I, I mean, kind of sixth string because like, Ty, I mean, he was kind of the fifth string to start the year before the opt outs, which is Fair. wild. Delightful. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, if, if anything, like at least it looked like we have some kind of depth of that position until we don't because Jordan's also dealing with injury. Uh, so now Marquezine Pierre, I guess, will be more of a focal point. It's just not great. Um, and yeah, it's it's. It's just tough. And then the other side of the ball, like the run defense, um, 
really bad. Uh, the first game where our defense was a major, major issue. Um, and against, you know, they played some other decent running teams. Like UNC ran the ball pretty well, but uh, they contained that much, I'd say, much better running game than Dukes. Um, Pitt historically runs the ball really well. I don't think they're, uh, and, and I imagine like when the season ends, we won't be looking at the Pitt and Duke running attacks in the same breath. Um, so I don't know if it was just a really strong steam by Cotton Cliff and company um, and, and just a really nice performance uh, by those running backs at Duke who looked look great uh, on Saturday. Um, but I think that's going to be like one of the places where the three three five is a little more vulnerable um, if you allow a team to just pound you with that kind of zone running steam um, and you don't have like the really big three linemen up front, which we don't, since, especially because we're just getting into the steam. Um, that's the place where you can be hurt. Now, like you said, had we connected on like two or three of those those uh, deep balls, uh, especially the drops, uh, or even like even the play uh, the play to um... well, there was the, the there was the the and I know like there's been some discussion amongst the fan base and the comments like about really what what that pass was like. There was that I was in the first quarter that that deep ball to Queely that like that, like he just kind of quit on early. Yeah. And then, then there I was, was the then there was the downfield. Then there was the the pass right before the half that that Devito put put that one on the money. <laughs> like Devito yeah. put that one on the money before the end of the half, and like that would have set up a field call. Even the one to Luke Benson, which drew a penalty, and are like which makes it a very hard catch. Like it hit him, it hit him in the hands. <laughs> like obviously the fifteen yards you'll take, but like Benson probably should have caught that ball even with the penalty. Um, I will say it was nice to see our tight ends involved for the first time all year, um, and. You saw what happened. Luke Benson is one of our fastest players, despite being a large human. Um, get him the ball more. Uh, but it was nice to see he and Hackett, I think, were each at around 25 uh, snaps this week. Um, so each was on the field about half the time we were on offense. So that's an upgrade. Um, we'll see if we work more of them in, especially because Culpepper is a much different kind of passer uh, than DeVito, assuming Rex gets the nod this weekend, which I, I figure, um, and probably should, just at least for the next two weeks. Um, but... Yeah, it's 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 frustrating because this game could have turned very differently, especially because even while the defense is struggling against the run, they continue to just turn turn teams over at a crazy rate. I think we we entering the week were one of the five uh, we had one of the five best uh, forced turnover numbers. I think since 2017 or 18, even before this defense, obviously, um, probably since 2018 with Sisto here um, in the entire nation. And you know, for more on Saturday, it doesn't doesn't hurt. We we. Uh, have a really incredible turnover plus minus, which should lead to more wins. It's one of the most telling stats. Um, but, you know, the failings everywhere else make it hard. And that that's on both sides of the ball this weekend. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, at least for this year. Uh, we have more turnovers than anyone um, at 14 total. Uh, we've, only lost, yeah, we've only lost four. Um, yeah, the, the, this team, despite losing... Uh, an increasing number of players, uh, you know, Eric Coley and, uh, and and Andre Cisco obviously being the headliners there. Todd um, Carter was that down multiple times this weekend. I'm not sure what his status is. It's just like, yeah. especially Jeff if the- probably out for the year or something close. Uh, after making a great play on that fumble, like the fumble recovery, which like obviously he had running room, but like the way he just picked it up and was like immediately at full dough was really impressive. Um, yeah, if you say like if there's anything to say about the defense, like they're so opportunistic and and there's a lot I mean, everyone coaches like trying to make the most out of turnovers and, and make good plays like that, but clearly whatever Tony White's uh doing is working because guys are both like ready to have the ball in their hands and 
making the most of those opportunities because that was like a like a telltale stupid store drill. No hesitation, just took off, and and he had a great game overall. So it's really unfortunate to see him also dealing with injuries because again, it's it's, it's the whole team. It's crazy. Oh yeah, and realistically, like it, it's it's amazing that somehow like he's done so much with so little time and uh, Sterling Gilbert's done so little uh, with so little time. And I mean, I think Gilbert could have maybe done more uh, with more time on his hands uh, running this offense. Um, I I mean, who knows what white could have done uh, with more time running this offense. I, I, I just, it's miraculous. Like I'm kind of looking at some of these numbers, like, you know, not even adjusting for 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 fewest games or for fewer games because you know you really can't this year. At least, or I'm not going to. Um, Syracuse has the most uh, has the highest turnover margin per game uh, at, 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 at the, the, the best turnover margin per game, e- e- even on a per game basis, um, at, at 2.5. Uh, they had the most turnovers total at at, at 14. Um, They've gained the most at million interceptions at eight. They've recovered the second most fumbles at six. Like this is an impressive group realistically, like in, in every way, shape and form. And this is the sort of team too, that like you're not necessarily seeing Syracuse be able to have the, the same players on the field um, each and every week. Um just by way of, you know, a, a ton of injuries, unfortunately. Um, and and I, I think that White should be commended. He's probably, I think because of yardage, maybe he's not going to be up for um, awards in terms of, you know, top coordinators in the country, but he should. Like, realistically, he, he's done a hell of a lot with, again, very little time. And I, I think it's great to see this. I think it's a bummer to see this paired with, you know, a kind of hot and cold um, offense and then some some struggles up front, you know, on the line. Uh, the line's done a good job in some regards, but I really think, you know, this th- this was this was the first week that that I was uh, that I was definitely troubled by by by, by what the uh, the defensive line did and and in many ways didn't do. Because, you know, you really did see like a Duke team that was giving up sacks was really struggling up front. Um, just kind of have their way with the front three. Um, and and, that, and that's a bummer. That's, I feel like more than that, though, the uh, the linebackers just really didn't have it um, on Saturday. And, 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 I mean, there's exceptions there, of course. Um, but like we mentioned, Jeff Kantanarku had a great scoop score. Um, but, you know, the linebackers couldn't really help, uh, you know, in terms of run stopping. And that uh, that's going to continue to be a problem. And it's going to continue to be a problem, especially against, you know, some of the better running backs we've yet to face in particular. Um, Travis Etienne, who is probably going to set career highs um, against Syracuse. Uh, he's only going to play a half. It'll be fine. Are we sure, though? Are we sure that he's not going to be able to set those career highs in one half? That's a good question. But Clemson's barely played guys in the second half all year. So it's just like... Even if it's Miami, I think they played in the third quarter, but that was just like, I think honestly, out of like respect. <laughs> it was, um, I, I wouldn't, I, I'd be kind of shocked if they got more than like a series in the third quarter, unless something miraculous is happening. What was the number that David Hale put up today? It was like 
Travis Etienne is like over like 2,500 career yards after contact. <laughs> the the Etienne career numbers are getting so crazy. Preposterous. And, and, and again, this is not a guy who's playing full games, which yeah. is. He has rarely played a full game his entire and, career. And great for his NFL, uh, his NFL stuff because, like, obviously he's been in every down back for, for most of his college career now. Um, you know, freshman year he was more a little more part-time, but it was clearly the best, most talented guy. But now, like, he can say, like, yeah, the last couple of years I've been playing, like, you know, I've been in, like, 14 touches. <laughs> and then uh, most of the time I'm not needed in the fourth quarter. Uh, so, yeah, good for him. Um, I think if you're going to play a, a four-year college career as a running back, that's the way to do it. Um, not everyone's afforded such a such a poss- uh, you know nice uh, opportunity. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to only facing him once more because Lord, that guy is good. Same with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, can't wait for them to leave. Um, and honestly, like I don't usually root for ACC players, like like for any reason. Like once we get, I feel like once players get to the NFL, the only players I usually am rooting for are Syracuse players. Um, I don't even watch the NFL anymore, really. Um, the Giants are terrible. Um, other teams are terrible. Giants probably blew one of their only like winnable games this year. <laughs> Somehow, despite not having uh, Saquon Barkley. But uh, in any case, um, you know, these things happen. These things happen to the Giants even more. Um, I did want to hit us with some breaking news here. Um, not a really breaking news, I guess. Um, Stephen Bailey, uh, now twenty four seven sports, did post this um, on Twitter. Apparently, uh, SU senior associate VP for communications, uh, Sarah Scalise, says in a statement that the final ceiling, quote unquote, of the Carrier Dome roof is not completed yet. Um, I is that I guess that's good news considering the leakage that was uh, occurring after the game on Saturday. <laughs> like, I guess the, the worst news would be like, "Yep, that's the completed ceiling. It leaks." Jesus Christ! I just whatever. You wanted to play. You wanted to have a have games in the elements. Everyone, here we are. Outdoor stadium. It's really a retractable roof in some ways. Not by choice. Section section one one seventeen is a slightly different experience. <laughs> the, the new definition. You could sell uh, snow tickets for like you know a small portion of the stadium. Inside outside game. Oh god, yeah. Please fix that, everyone. Uh, people working on the dome, like, not a great look. They lucked out so hard that, like, honestly, the, the just from the dome aspect, they lucked out um, in a lot of ways. Of this, like, you know, I'm sure the the be shut down because the dome was able to just go under construction the whole time. Um, kind of helped them along. They're not having to deal with all the stuff that was supposed to happen in there. Um, and now helps them like not to have people get rained on during a game. Uh, so yeah, hopefully they take the advantage of uh, the fact that we're not going to have fans in there. I, I would guess all year through basketball season um, and uh, did that fix because it's not great. <laughs> it's not great uh, to happen. Like the first major rain of uh, the stadium. Yeah, this is a uh, this is disturbing. That statement was disturbing. Um, to say it also the took least. them like two full days. <laughs> like we found out about the rain right after the football game. It was like, like, like immediately. Next, yeah, it was it was a it was a metaphor basically for the whole game. Um, so yeah, 
I, so again, I guess I'm happy that they're they're not done. <laughs> they 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 figured out the one part where the rain doesn't happen. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm disturbed by that, but I'm sure we're gonna see more um, from Syracuse about what's going on uh, when the uh, the entire roof is sealed. Um, this has been John as Susan Collins. <laughs> Christ, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Um, Dan, I guess before we get to halftime, I did want to uh, get into a little bit, um, at least, about the uh, quarterback situation. As mentioned, Devito is injured. He's probably out for the season. That we're not we're not fully confirmed on that yet. Apparently. I think, I mean, it's basically being, like, acknowledged, I think. It's just a matter of, like, I think they were getting a second opinion today or something. Um, but it doesn't sound like we're going to have Tommy DeVito back. It would be a surprise if we did. So I think we can at least, like, mentally prepare for ourselves for that to be the, the situation. Hopefully hopefully he's back by week one next year, honestly, at this point. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. Um, at the same time, I feel like whether DeVito's back or not, um, you know, obviously he'll he'll be getting his degree in December. Um, I don't necessarily think that the NFL is in the cards. Um, we do have quarterbacks on the roster. We are we going to be getting more quarterbacks on the roster um, this off season. But at the same time, like we do have more games to play. So uh, Rex Culpepper seems like he's going to be the guy. Uh, this coming week against Liberty, but uh, but Dan, what's your uh, what's your guess for the rest of the season? Do you think you think Culpepper just gets the ball for the rest of the year? We kind of wait to see what happens, or do you think we're going to see kind of a variety of quarterbacks uh, for the rest of the season? Um, I would expect Culpepper to start the majority of the games here on out. I think, if only just as like a respect thing, he's been a really good trooper through obviously really tough circumstances. And and in football, that doesn't get you a starting quarterback job all the time. But um, as the only guy on the roster who has thrown a pass, I think um, you let him start this weekend for sure. And we'll talk more about Liberty in a bit. Um, you, I would just start him against Clemson because I don't know that putting a freshman uh, in against Clemson uh, off the bat is maybe the best way to uh, welcome them to college football, especially to start a game, maybe in the second half when Clemson's pulled a lot of their starters, assuming – things go the way that I feel bad, like just saying we're going to be blown out by halftime, but you know, it's kind of how Clemson has been working more than anything having to do with us. Um, if that game is not a game at half, uh, then maybe we'll see someone else, but yeah, I, I expect Culpepper to start games uh, for the foreseeable future. I think we will see other quarterbacks. I think um, Dylan Markowitz is, is super interesting. Um, obviously wasn't a huge recruit, but um, I saw someone say today, like Sterling Gilbert, uh, while he wasn't, you know, recruiting him here at Pius, he was recruiting him, um, I think, to McNeese State, maybe to South Florida. Um, so he was like familiar with him. It was a guy he thought he could work with elsewhere. Um, and he's just like, in terms of like the tools and and you know the the eye test, like he looks like a potential, you know, solid plug-in piece at the at quarterback position. He comes from Texas, and I think you noted in your piece that you know they have the spread culture down there, so he might be a little more adept to stepping into that role versus uh, a David Summers who's coming from Connecticut, played in more of a pro style offense at St. Joe's in Connecticut um, has like 
the more of a, a tight like comparison to Tommy DeVito than he does like fit um, necessarily the steam as well. Um, so while he has an extra year in the program, it might not be as big a difference. But for any of these guys, it's going to be tough sledding um, going forward because you know you're only uh, outside of this Liberty game. It's all Power Five here on out. Um, so hopefully we'll get an opportunity to see a couple of these guys uh, going forward, and hopefully this weekend, like on the opposite end of it, you know things will go well and we can. Um, see them get some live action before they have to face ACC foes. But I, I do expect to see like a, a, a couple of these guys just to, you know, find out what we have. Yeah. I mean, I, I think most people at this point think we're seeing Rex against, uh, against Liberty. I think, I, I think we, we've, we discussed a bit. I think we'll get into it more throughout the rest of the season. Um, under Dino Babers, SU really hasn't done a great job. Um, like developing quarterback depth, or at least meaningful quarterback depth. Um, at the same time, you know how much how much do how much do teams like need to develop quarterback depth, um, or should they need to develop quarterback depth um, beyond the top two, maybe three um, on the roster? Um, I think it's kind of a tricky balance now because of like the the transfer situation, but I think you still have to do it. Like I, I just I think you you develop as many as you can and just kind of let the chips fall where they may. Because if you only focus on the starters or like the top two line guys, like a, a veteran and a, and a freshman, one of those guys could still transfer or get hurt, like we've had, and it's it's definitely a more complicated situation now than like before when you could kind of reliably know like you have this guy for this long and then this guy will step in, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it, we're not the first program to have to go to two or three quarterbacks in a year. I mean, how Maryland had done to what the fourth stringer multiple times in like a five-year span. Uh, so it happens. So I think you just honestly just like get as many as you can to develop, and 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 you don't really know how it's going to shake out until it does. Yeah. So, I mean, realistically, I think Rex has played all right. Um last few weeks, I, I, I think realistically, like Rex gets the ball out quick, but on the problematic side, um, what, what we're, we're struggling with on Rex is that he, uh, he's just not getting the ball to receivers. And you know what? Maybe working with ones um, this week, we, we, we see a very different quarterback against Liberty. I hope so. I really would like to... A, not play Liberty, but B, um, not lose to Liberty. So we're not necessarily expecting Dino to uh, defeat any quarterback, but especially any freshman quarterback to the Wolves um, against Clemson. Yeah, I just don't think there's like a huge upside to doing it until, unless things just didn't like, you know, unless we're forced into it or, um, things get to the point where we're not like throwing them to the first team defense. Um, not, not to say that that's like Rex's job, but like he's a senior and that's kind of how things work, honestly, in college football. Um, yeah. I, I, I think he's done like, I mean, he's done a, a decent job as a backup. He, he had the nice moment in his pit. Um, he gets the ball quicker than Tommy. I think that's pretty indisputable, like indisputable. Um, his arm strength is an issue, I think. Um, and you're not going to see uh, the same, um, I don't think you're going to see the same kind of offense we saw this weekend where Tommy was really letting it, like, uncorked for the first time this year. Um, it wouldn't surprise surprise me if we saw, like, a, a fair amount of uh, 
just like interesting different play designs to to accentuate what Retz is good at, which is you know making those quick reads. Uh, hopefully not you know having any like unfortunate like really quick bad interceptions that we've seen from him a few times, but getting the ball out quick, getting the the uh, chains moving, hopefully a little bit, which has been a, such a struggle for this team. Um, and then hopefully opening things up for the run game. But uh, it's, it's he's a very different quarterback than DeVito. Um, so hopefully we'll see the coaches kind of uh, accentuate his strengths a bit. Yeah, I mean, as a senior, Markowitz threw for uh, over 4,000 yards. He's not a dual threat, but he can run. Um, I, I think he's, what, 6'4", to, uh, 216? Yeah, he's a bit solid player. Um, I'm super interested to see it, like, if if this is if the season continues to go down the road it's going like I I think if we see a Dylan Marquardt or David Summers um I think either one becomes like a super interesting player because that I mean who knows what happens with Devito this off season I assume he'll come back um but as you said like there's always a chance he tries to go elsewhere there's always a chance he just you know takes his degree um that could be the guy next year um and I, I mean I think Marquardt is the guy we talked about uh, when we signed him like wasn't the highest, the biggest name ID guy. And I thought that was playing in a pretty small uh, division in, in Texas, but, uh, and I think playing later in his career more than anything else, but he's, uh, he looks the part and uh, comes from a place where, you know, high octane offense is king. So um, definitely some potential there and definitely some, some intrigue. Yeah. I mean, realistically, I think we see most of the guys in the depth chart at this point. And, uh... Awesome. Yeah, so before we get into beer here, uh, we're going to, once again, for the second month now, plug our good friends at Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel has, uh, I, I would say, some of, if not the most high-quality college vintage clothing out there, um, and they're adding new stools by the week. Uh, they had Florida State this past weekend. Uh, Syracuse came in the picture September 5th, so I'm sure you have seen them uh, in the last month plus. Um, a lot of great options. Uh, the... T-shirts are just super high quality, super comfortable. Um, and, and just like, don't like, there, there, there are some things with like these really super soft T-shirts that feel like they might fall apart. These are very, uh, I, I expect them to last, which is nice. Um, uh, the hoodies are really nice. So yeah, uh, go to homefield.com. Check out all of the Syracuse line, uh, 10% off with code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S. Um, and yeah, it's kind of a surprise if you haven't gotten any of them so far, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta get a Homefield shirt. Like it's just, that's just what it is now. Uh, there's so many good ones. Um, I've been rocking the strip juice one a bunch. Uh, I have to switch because I wear that for the Duke game, so I need to find a new one to try to get back on a tennis and winning mojo. But um, I ordered a bunch, so luckily there are plenty to choose from uh, between the strip juice, the auto gear, the old school like '90s style fonts. Um, so yeah, head to home field, check all that out, uh, and they've been uh, good friends to the blog and to the podcast, so we thank them for that. Yeah, I have. Uh, I've got. Three uh, home field shirts on my end um, have the uh, have one of the Angry Wave shirts. Um, obviously, the uh, the light blue uh, t shirt. I have uh, the Feet of the Goat, the uh, the second uh, goat shirt in uh, in my collection, and then uh, then I've got one of the many 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 <laughs> auto shirts um, over there. Uh, one of the many auto shirts in my collection. Uh, I'll, I'm sure I will be imploring uh, anyone looking for uh, holiday gift ideas in my family uh, to uh, to grab me some more. So yeah, I uh, 
would highly recommend everyone uh, get over there if you haven't already. That's Noons for 10% off your order. Uh, hopefully you watched us uh, beat UConn. Uh, Homefield continues to add uh, great schools to the collection every single week. So we fade down the list a little bit here and there. Um, but you know what? Means that uh, the means that people are buying home field shirts. So happy we, we, hold, we held off like Mizzou and Michigan State. So like we did pretty well, I think, for ourselves. <laughs> like those are big state schools. We are but a small or middle sized private school in upstate New York. So we will take it. Yeah, it's still a win. Um, but yeah, we're at halftime. So Dan, what have you been drinking for the last? Uh, well, for you week, I'm gonna. I'll probably go back a couple weeks, but I don't have a ton of variety, so it's fine. Um, yeah, so it actually worked out. I hadn't been drinking much the last couple of weeks, but this week, uh, yesterday, I went down to Fool's Gold in the East Village, which I know you know very well. Um, Big fan. Had this, yeah, had a bunch of good stuff from that from them. Uh, they always have a, a great list. Had uh, some heady topper, which it just sticking around. Uh, they had there was a heady drop not that long ago, and I guess Paces just have it now. <laughs> it's just like around, which I'm not opposed to because heady's great. Um, had some Alpha King from Three Floyds, which is delicious. Had a Sour Hour from LIC Beer Project, which is one of the better sours I've had recently. Not like a really substantial, like not like a, some of the sours are really kind of thin and like it doesn't feel like you're drinking beer sometimes. This was not that. This was really good. Crystal Vibration, I think one of the newer IPAs from Grimm. All of their IPAs are great. Um, had a state of the art double dry hop wheat stout from Industrial Arts, which is one of the more interesting beers I had. Uh, really nice, full flavored stout, but like definitely had like those, you know, the, the wheat uh hoppiness like a really interesting kind of combo beer and then also uh split a fourth meal uh large format from the brewery and main brewing company uh which was really really delicious and like those two breweries are fantastic so saw the opportunity to uh collab from them and uh didn't disappoint very very nice on my end uh been enjoying a variety of different things uh so many of them i've mentioned before uh, had some uh, Chapman crafted from down in Orange County, uh, Personal Journey, their uh, Pale Ale. Um, had Smog City Coffee Porter. Had, uh, I think I mentioned this one before, the uh, Highland Park uh, Goody Pills. Also had, had a Highland Park's Griffith J. Griffith that I've mentioned uh, a couple years uh, now. I'd argue it's the, uh, the best uh, stout in L.A., uh, it's pretty excellent. Um, split some of my wife uh, now that she's not pregnant anymore. So now I don't have to drink everything by myself. Um, so we had some of that. Um, continuing uh, the uh, pro pale ale um, stance that you and I both have, Dan. Had some uh, Nelson Spaceship from uh, Highland Park. Uh, it's a uh, Nelson Forward uh, pale ale. So had some of that. Had some Hello LA from Highland Park that I always mentioned is one of my favorites. And uh, Timbo Pills, which uh, which I contend is the best beer in Los Angeles. Uh, it is a Pilsner. It is fantastic. If you're in L.A. or will be in L.A., um, once we all can enjoy travel and bars again, highly recommend grabbing some. Nice. Very nice. It's, uh, yeah, nice that you, uh, nice that you were able to, to get some beers in through what I imagine have been a hectic few weeks. Although, maybe that was the reason for it. Heck to guess, but you know what? As most with kids will attest, um, as long as you stock up in advance um, of the evening, you're good. You can just kind of just kind of crank through some, watching TV. Like realistically, like 
especially with uh, like really the tough age is like, I'd say like nine months to like 15, 18 months. Cause then like, they're not as good at communicating. They're super loud and like dangerous <laughs> versus like right now we have like the, the simpler, like two weeks or so, at least like from a male perspective, it's the simplest time because you can't do a ton and that's a bummer. But at the same time, like you can help out, be there for your partner um, and you know, they still fall asleep on you a lot. So you can get to do that. Um, and then on the, you know, now two plus year old uh, front, they can communicate a bunch. Um, they're learning a lot and like they're loud, but you can channel that energy into like productive things. So this isn't the worst time period uh, for, uh, for beverage consumption because they're both usually asleep somewhere in like the eight to 10 PM range. So yeah, you can just watch whatever you want, drink some beer, uh, and chill. That has been fatherhood is very easy. I, uh, <laughs> I'm still a... Fatherhood sometimes easier than you think, many times harder. Um, <laughs> we, we will get to the the, the other parts uh, at some point in the near future. Um, but yeah, With the, the way the football season is going, <laughs> this this might just become a, a interesting collaboration podcast. Like, oh, Syracuse football. Also, uh, here's what happened this week. Does, does Fatherly want to sponsor this? Because if they do, do I have some good news for you? <laughs> anyway, um, Dan, first and foremost, are we beating Liberty this weekend? You know, I was really nervous after the Duke game. And then also, I think Liberty fans online have really sold a bill of goods uh, about Liberty season this year. To everyone uh, somehow. Like they're every, 4-0. Every single person. It's, impre- it's, it's crazy. They're 4-0. <laughs> That's good for them. Awesome. Here's here's how they got to four and out. They beat a one and three Western Kentucky. Well, they beat a zero and zero, but now one and three Western Kentucky team whose only win is over a very bad Middle Tennessee team. One of the probably the worst teams in college football this year, Middle Tennessee, which is weird for them, but that's just is what it is. Um, they beat an zero and two FIU who lost to that Middle Tennessee team. They beat uh, Northern Alabama, an FCS squad who is not that was their only game so far. And then they beat an 0 and 5, maybe the worst team in Tulsa Ball, Louisiana Monroe team. So uh, Liberty's 4 0 record is against a group of teams that is a grand total of 1 and 11. Um, so, yeah, maybe they're decent. Like they're 4 0 and they won the games. Uh, some of those games are very close. Um, they have, a, you know, a former SEC quarterback. So that's good. And he's been impressive uh, for the most part. Um, but yeah, I'm just not willing to take that much away from that group of games that they've had. Like, it's better they won them than not won them, but it's it's not like they're they're beating like even like really solid um, group of five teams. They're just like they and I don't think they built the schedule like this way on purpose. They just lucked into playing uh, Western Kentucky, which hasn't figured itself out in years. Um, ULM, who's horrendous. FIU was like has had a weird year on multiple fronts, and they they beat WKU by by six points. They beat FIU by two points. They blew out ULM, but again, ULM's like hopeless. Um, it's just, I, I don't know that this four and a record tells us that much. Yeah. I mean, realistically, Syracuse has the best win amongst these teams. Yeah, no, by pretty clearly Georgia tech would probably be favored against Liberty by like nine points. Yeah. So getting into a little bit more about the team that, that you, uh, you rightfully threw some shade at here. Um, Malik Willis, we were concerned last year that he might, uh, have gotten the green light to, uh, to play. He did not. He- they had Buckshot. Yeah, they, they, they had they had the one and only Buckshot, um, who we actually kept in check pretty well. Um, but this year, uh, Malik Willis 
He is 48 of 80, uh, 595 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Really not like surpassing the numbers that you all seem to hate from DeVito. Uh, <laughs> the running is like my the stereotype. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was about to get there. Um, so rushing, however, um, lead rusher is Joshua Mack, the uh, senior running back. Uh, 59 carries, 359 yards, uh, 6.08 average, one touchdown. But the bigger problem, Malik Willis, um, 47 attempts, 340 yards rushing, uh, four touchdowns. Most, I think, at this point recall just how much Syracuse struggles against uh, mobile quarterbacks. It has not gone well uh, most of the time. Uh, This past week against Louisiana Monroe, he uh, – where's his rushing? Sorry, I was on the passing yards. This past week against Louisiana Monroe, 13 attempts, 87 yards, uh, so that's 6.69 yards per carry. Um, definitely can't afford getting torn apart by a mobile quarterback uh, yet again. On the receiving front, they uh, they do not have an NFL receiver on the team this year, but people seem to like DJ Stubbs. Got 17 catches, 246 yards, two touchdowns. Um, nobody's really lighting the world on fire. Like even Willis, like while his numbers are good. It's also against the dregs of uh, of college football. Notably, he's only played in three games. He did not play in the Northern Alabama game, though. So everything you're seeing from him is uh, is the summation of uh, of three contests against uh, terrible teams. Yeah, like I think he as a rusher could give us issues, but the guys like the running quarterbacks that have given us issues, and I think there's like a little bit of noise with that stat. Like a lot of the times, it's true, but then there are times where we totally shut it down, and I think. There were some numbers going into the Georgia Tech game where we actually fared like okay against them overall, um, but they come when those guys can also hit like the deep pass and do the other things that like open up the running lanes. Yeah, it's true dual threats. Like, like we actually play right. well against like shitty Georgia Tech type quarterback, well old Georgia Tech type quarterbacks that could like complete a few passes, but realistically we're just going to run all the time. Versus like yeah. a Lamar Jackson type or like a derivative of Lamar Jackson because no one can stop Lamar Jackson. Um, we did not do well against guys who could run four five forties. Yeah, and and also are going to like complete sixty percent of their throws and like stretch the field. Um, so yeah, if if we're if we make Willis one dimensional, um, I'm really not that concerned. I think we have enough. And also, um, I don't expect Liberty's offensive line will play even as well as Dukes did. And I, I don't know that Dukes is like this great unit, but they thought they played a really good game against us. I assume like we're not going to get manhandled by Liberty up front. Um, and that'll give like our linebackers who, while young, uh, have talent, we've seen good things from them, um, to kind of roam and, and, and take away like those lanes where Willis really, uh, abuse us. And this would be a situation where having that three, three, five defense, even with all the injuries, um, having that much athleticism on the field could really help uh, containing him. Yeah, I completely agree. And realistically, like even losing a couple guys, like obviously you don't want to lose someone like Jeff Kantnarku, like someone like, uh, Eric Coley, obviously Cisco, um, but at the same time, like Liberty has turned over the ball a little bit, uh, three times so far, um, against, no, sorry, four times so far, um, against crappy teams. Uh, they allowed seven sacks. It's not a ton, but it's also not like a small amount against again, like bad teams. Um, it could provide some opportunities for Syracuse. Uh, they're averaging 6.04 yards per play, which is concerning, uh, to some extent, they don't necessarily force a ton of turnovers. That should potentially help us out. Um, they do go for it on fourth down, something that you may recall we used to do. Um, 
I might write an article about that soon, actually. Of like, hey, remember when this offense was aggressive? Because um, at one point we used to go for it on fourth down all the time, and then that like disappeared completely. Uh, they seem to display similar issues to us in the red zone when it comes to punching the ball into the end zone. 17-23 in the red zone. Um, but it seems like they settled for field goals a bunch. And also their kicker, I don't think is very good. He sits for nine. Um, ah, nice. Yeah. Misses two, he's two missed extra points already this year. Um, he's four for four inside uh, 29, but is uh, just two for five uh, beyond that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that might be part of their aggressiveness, but also if you're not going to be able to store touchdowns, that does present an issue. So far it hasn't because they've played like the Sisters of the Four. But, um, yeah, it's just – the more you dig into things, like it's not that scary a team by any means. Now losing to them would really be unfortunate and would be embarrassing for a, you know myriad reasons. Um, yeah, it's just like I, I there's nothing there's nothing on the resume that streams to me like oh this is like a super quality team. It's just they've taken advantage of their circumstances and good for them on that level. But um, last year I think was a more intimidating team. I think you can make the argument Buckshot was better than Willis. He actually had a really nice year. They had a oh, legit yeah. NFL player in Antonio Dold. Uh, uh, Dandy Golden, um, who reported us, and then an incredible name, um, now on the Washington football team, um, and was amazing all year. And uh, like they, what they didn't score a touchdown against us, or they score anything against us. Yeah, so um, that I think I that team in retrospect, which we weren't really afraid of at the time, that team in retrospect I think was more scary than this one. Um, oh yeah, there's there a line put out there to get idiots to bet against us. And I get it. Like, I'm not surprised. Like, you, you look at Syracuse, lose to Duke handily, um, and the Duke line I thought was ridiculous, and obviously it turned out to be you know, fair. But um, it's just like I, I get why you you look at Liberty. You're like, oh, they're 4-0. They have a former, former Auburn quarterback. Syracuse looks like it's reeling. They have all these injuries. I, I get the line. It's just like I, I, I'm not that concerned about it. I, I, obviously, we could lose to this team, but – I think like anyone saying that this is like going to be a free fall that crosses this game, we should still beat them based on like talent level and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, the only the main player I'm concerned about is Darrell Johnson. Yes. Uh, over on the defensive side, defensive end. He's your typical uh, of late, like kind of reformed outside linebacker, like edge rusher, 6'4, 235. Um, he's a Juco transfer from Brooklyn. He's originally from Baltimore. He and I share a birthday, apparently. Um, he was all-conference at uh, ASA College in Brooklyn, and his offers came from Akron, Bethune-Cookman, Grambling, Morgan State, and South Alabama. I also played basketball. That always seems like a pretty standard like passer specialist. Um, although he has uh, – I don't know how up-to-date like ESPN's tackle numbers are, but he's you know he's 11 tackles total with five or sets. So like, he's – He's, he's seven, going he seven, seven times for loss this year. He's uh he's, he's in the backfield. Yeah, so that could be an issue based on our um, offensive line situation. Hopefully, but again against shitty teams, though. Yes. So again, it's hard to read in too much in terms of like this grand success when um, two of those games were very very narrow wins against bad teams, and two of them were blowouts against worse teams. Yeah, I mean realistically. Oddly, he had the most tackles against the maybe best team on the list of Western Kentucky. He had five tackles in that game. Three against Florida National, two against Northern Alabama, two against Louisiana Monroe. 
Yeah, so hopefully the offensive line will keep him and keep whoever's about, uh, in the backfield for us upright. Because um, that's a very easy, that easy way to derail a game. Agreed. All right, Dan, quick prediction from you. Who do you think wins this game and why? I'm going to stay optimistic. I'm going to say we get some unexpected uh, Rhett's magic um, this weekend. He plays well and would be a good moment for him. Uh, I'm going to go uh, Syracuse 31, Liberty 14. I'm yeah. going to go. I'm big win. I don't know what's going to happen after that, but I'm going to say we win this one comfortably uh, and feel a little bit better about our situation, even as like you know the injuries aren't good and whatnot. Yeah, I just kind of want to show the haters at least one week. Um, <laughs> give me Syracuse 27, Liberty 20. All right. I think it ends up being close-ish. But more, not because Liberty's good, more because Syracuse's offense just doesn't have the firepower to put anybody away at this point. It's certainly possible. Nothing would really surprise me in this one. I just, I'm not buying the, like, doom and gloom. You know, Syracuse is like a legit underdog in this game. Well, to every other game, maybe. This one, I'm going to be optimistic. All right. I, I, I will be optimistic as well. Join you on that bandwagon. There we are. One last week of optimism. <laughs> maybe more. But well, for now... One, well, just one week at a time, we're being optimistic. You've heard it here first. Yeah. Uh, Dan, anything else before we head out? No, hopefully uh, hopefully that, that this pays off. We don't look ridiculous with those predictions. But, uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully we have something to, to be happy about. Because, like, again, who knows what the rest of the season looks like, what we glean from it. But um, it would be nice to get a second win and not fall on our face against uh, this team of all teams. So, fingers crossed. Yeah, I, I would love to to get to three and eight or something like that, um, just to kind of save face a bit. And that would actually tell me a lot about Dino, to be honest. If you can get this team to three and eight, yeah. I mean, and say what you want about Dino at this point. Like, if you just look at it realistically, we have what is it like fifteen contributing players out? Your mm-hmm. best defensive player by a like pretty clearly your best defensive player. I would argue your best offensive player um, already had offensive line issues going into the season. Uh, Run right now. You know, you probably start. You, you you might actually end up starting a walk on a running back this weekend. Yeah, uh, your the breakout running back got banged up. Hopefully, I mean, it sounds like he should be okay going forward. But like, uh, and then Jordan got hurt, uh, who was your third string running back. So you're kind of on a fourth stringer, like no matter what. It's 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 crazy. Like the injuries, it's not, it doesn't it's use everything. Like we've, I mean, we've been pretty clear about like our issues with Dino's how Dino's done this year and the decisions. But like, you do have to bring that context into it. I completely agree. All right. Well, Dan, appreciate you uh, joining as always. This has been a fun return to the uh, the old grind. Yes. Welcome back. Glad you uh, everything's going well over there, and hopefully uh, that continues. I'm sure. I I, I cannot <laughs> agree more on that front. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought that was a pretty a pretty uh, unambiguous, uh, uncontroversial take. Yeah. All right. Well, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you everybody for tuning into Troy Noons and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Megaphone. Uh, tune in, Stitcher, Overcast, whatever you listen to podcasts on, and go orange. Go orange.